So I'm thankful tonight to be in the house of the Lord. And I love being in his presence. This has been a week. And we'll just leave it at that. How's that? <laughs> um, a week that I have found myself on my face multiple times saying, Lord, there are so many things that are beyond my human control. And I am at the point that I, I, I can be a control freak. I'm, that's the truth, and it's just how it is. And I want, you know, all of the T's crossed and all the I's dotted, and I, I want to know exactly where we're headed. But there is just a point in life when I have to say, you know what, if I keep it in control, I'm going to make a mess of it. And so, Lord, I'm going to turn it over to your hands. And this week, I don't, my heart has just been determined to turn it over to the Lord and allow the Lord to fight the battle and allow the Lord to work it out because his word already tells us that we're victorious and that he goes before us and he makes a way and he has it all in control. So what is it that I'm worried about and what am I fretting about? Because I know that I can trust in the Lord and I can trust in his word. I'm going to take your attention tonight to Isaiah chapter 58 verses 1 through 5. And if it's okay with you, we're just going to do a literal Bible study tonight of the Word of God. Amen? All right. Isaiah 58, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness. And forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in, approach, in approaching. They don't have it up there, and I think I did it wrong. In approaching God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your laborers. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? And I'm going to bring to you this subject, man versus God. I watched a video a while back that my husband had found of what appeared to be an organized street fight between a martial arts fighter and a Marine. There was a large crowd gathered to watch uh, these two engage in pulverizing each other, which I will never understand. And they seem to be in huge favor of the martial arts contender. He was very flamboyant with his preparation time and was proud to show the crowd and his opponent what he was made of. He spun, he flipped, he slung his shoulder-length hair and worked the crowd into a frenzy while his opponent stood aside almost as a spectator himself. Suddenly, the martial arts fighter decided that it was time to engage. He kicked his legs high and began to twirl and flip like a regular superhero would. The crowd screamed and cheered at his superhero powers. 
But before his head could stop to a standstill, as his flip landed him directly in front of his opponent, his face connected with the Marine's single-thrown punch that knocked him out instantly. Probably one of the most entertaining things I have ever seen in my life. There was no contest. They were unmatched contenders, and the fight was over. How is it that we, as children of God, get so caught up in our own spirituality that we think we can manipulate God through prayer and fasting? Too often, seasons of prayer and fasting are used as a tool to trumpet our supposed holiness to those around us and an attempt to force God to answer our prayers the way we want them answered and when we want them answered, as though he is obligated to us or can easily be manipulated by us. We're talking about the God of creation, The God that simply flung the stars in space and they landed in perfect formation. The God whose spoken word brings light to darkness, life to the non-existent, and peace and order to chaos. This is the same God who humbled himself from his throne in glory, miraculously created himself a body of flesh, and lived a life that overcame every temptation that was thrown at him, all while performing the miraculous. The God that fulfilled his own word when he said, it is finished, and became the sacrifice for our sins. This is the God who marched into the depths of the earth and took the keys to death hell, and the grave with authority and with power. The God of all eternity, there is none beside him and there is none like him. He is Yahweh of the Old Testament, Jehovah, the Lord. He is Adonai, the I Am. He is Elohim, the creator and judge. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is El Elyonin, the Most High God. He is Jehovah Nissi, our banner. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Can I get a witness? He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that is here and ever present. He is Jehovah Shalom that we sung about. The Lord is our peace. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. He is Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. He is King of kings. He is the great I am. He is Alpha and Omega, and his name is Jesus. God speaks to Isaiah in our text and instructs him to cry out and to not spare anyone's feelings to show the people their transgressions and their sins. The scripture says that the children of Israel sought the Lord daily. They took delight in knowing his ways and his commandments. They appeared as a people who sought to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. 
they forsook not the ordinances. They assembled themselves together in worship. They prayed. They fasted. They heard the word when it was read, and they read the word themselves. They sang praises. They performed all of the outward duties of a child of God. They took delight in approaching God and seeking to be in his presence, but their motives were wrong. Their purposes were selfishly motivated. The children of Israel felt entitled to God answering them. They said, we have fasted, and you don't even take notice of our efforts. We have afflicted our souls, and it doesn't count for anything to you. Can you imagine approaching the Lord in that manner? But the Lord said, on this day, you fast to serve your own interests. You do as you please. You still fulfill your fleshly desires. You fast, yet you exploit those that are under you. You oppress them with your ideas of what service and worship should look like. You seek to be forgiven of your debts through your fasting, but you refuse to forgive those who are indebted to you. Quarreling breaks out when you fast. You're ill-tempered and irritable. You lash out in anger. You smite with a fist of wickedness toward those who don't receive your professed doctrine, don't comply with your self-righteous level of worship, and you persecute them for it. Your fasting is nothing more than to force me to hear your voice from on high. The Lord said to them, your motive is to have heavenly power and authority, and it will not get my attention. God spoke to the children of Israel in verse 5. Do you really think that your type of fasting is a fast that I chose? A fast is a day to afflict your souls, to bring you to godly repentance and true sorrow for your sins, which are many. If a fast does not bring about true repentance, where God can reveal to us personally the things in our flesh that need to be dealt with and put away, it is not a fast, it is a mere diet. True godly sorrow that works repentance in a man's life is more than just hanging your head low and putting on sackcloth and ashes for everyone to see. Your fast is a mere ceremony, the Lord was saying, that does not bring about real change, and it is not acceptable to him. God said, let me describe the purpose of fasting that I have chosen. It is a fast that loosens the bonds of wickedness. Those things imposed on you that have oppressed you and caused you distress. It is a fast that things that have caused your conscience to be bound and has kept you from freedom and him to be broken. Those bonds are the things that have placed you or that have been placed on you that have stinted your growth in him. They are things that keep you from freely worshiping God. 
To undo the heavy burden is the purpose of God's fast. It is to lift, I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped over my stuff, to lift the obligation of sin that you carry. It is a fast that will let the oppressed go free. Those that have been subject to the harsh confinements of sin and the judgment of the accuser, freedom can be granted through God's kind of fast. It can break every yoke. Anything that is not authorized by God can be broken through God's kind of fast. The one that Jesus sets free is free indeed. And the type of fast that he has chosen for his church is the fast that will set you free from the things that you have been dealing with and that have kept you bound. As humans, our nature is to look out for us and ours. When Adam was placed in the garden, he was placed in a perfect environment with all of the amenities he could have ever needed or hoped for. Now, that sounds a bit like heaven to me. All he needed was supplied. He never had to question where his food was going to come from, whether or not everything he needed to sustain his life, where it was going to come from. It was automatically supplied. But when sin entered in, Man began to have to work for his food and to build his shelter and to protect himself from predators. The lusts of Adam's flesh began to demand his attention when sin entered in. A self-serving and self-fulfilling spirit was birthed as a result. God is trying to deliver us from our flesh We all have flesh that needs to be brought under subjection to the will of God. He's calling us to crucify the flesh that causes us to be self-absorbed with our own needs. Fasting kills the flesh. Fasting is denying the flesh of its appetite, both in the physical. I don't like to fast. I like Coke. I like candy. I like bread. I like Italian food. Is anybody else getting hungry at this moment besides me? Some of you love steak. It's it's not fun to deny the physical appetite. But it also is to deny the flesh in the spirit. In other words, uh, uh, denying our fleshly desires and those things that drive us to action and those things that drive us to sin. And it's to allow God's mind to be birthed in us. I want to have the mind of God. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be led of the Spirit. I don't want my thoughts and my desires rising up to the point that I can't hear his voice because all I can hear is myself and my own desires. Fasting is to cause us to become kingdom-minded. Matthew 6 and 33 says, but seek ye first, above all else, your first concern, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom is the external will of God for this world. His righteousness is his internal will for our lives. And all these things will be added to you. 
if God's cause for his kingdom is made your first aim and your first priority, not your second, not your third, not your fourth, not just when it's convenient, then all the necessities of life he will provide for you. His word promises it. King David said, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous, those that are seeking to do right, those that are seeking the will of God? I've never seen them forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. In essence, Jesus was saying to his disciples, ask great things for my kingdom's sake, and the small things that you need on this earth will be given to you. Ask heavenly things, and the earthly things will be provided for you. It's very, very simple, laid out in the word of God. So in our text, in verse 7, the Lord was saying to the children of Israel, here is my desired result for your fast. Your hearts will be moved to give your bread to the hungry. I'll provide manna for you like I've already done. You will be moved with compassion for the poor who have lost their homes and, all that, and, and have lost all they had instead of scoffing at their misfortune or saying it is their own demise and at their own doing. You'll be moved with compassion at those who don't have the basic necessities to the point that you will take action to clothe them. When my will, the Lord is saying, is accomplished through your fast, you won't be able to pretend that you don't see the needs of your relatives and your spiritual brothers and sisters. You will be compelled to help them. In verse 8, God tells them, then when you have taken this fast, my fast to heart, when you have adopted these principles of fasting and have made them your rule of conduct, when you have allowed godly repentance to perfect you, then your light will break forth. And a glorious time, a God-ordained time will begin for you when you die out to the flesh and you allow his will to be performed in your life. Not only that, but he says in verse 8, your health, both physically and spiritually, will be restored. That ought to get some major amens. Your health will be restored. Your righteousness, the righteousness of Christ that is in you, will go before you as a reputation to prepare a way for you. And the glorious power of God will be your reward. He will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that will be our reward. The glory of God is the manifestation of his presence. It is the cloud that led the children of Israel by day and protected them from the noonday sun. And it was the pillar of fire that led them by night, not, or by night, not just to guide their way, but to ward off any predator that would seek them in the midnight hour. 
The glory of God is the fame of God. It causes admiration. It causes, it is distinguishing. It is God's majesty and splendor. When my husband and I were talking earlier today about the, the, um, stipulations, just one right after the other that is being placed on the church. I made a statement to him and said, there will come a time when God speaks the word and it will be undeniable and it will be distinguishable that it was God, that only God could have done it. And everybody will know that God has performed the miraculous for his people. It is the glory of God that is promised to his people. When you get fasting right, verse 9 tells us, then you will call on the Lord and he will answer. When you cry to him for help, he will answer and say, here am I. I'm reminded of the scripture when Peter stepped out onto, uh, out of the boat onto the water, but when the waves began to, came, began to come and overtake him, he lost sight of where the Lord was, and he began to cry out, thinking that he was far off from him. And the next thing he knew, a hand reached down, and he picked him right up. And that is what will happen with us when we get fasting right, when we kill the flesh, when we, when we uh, rid ourselves of those fleshly desires and allow God's spirit to rise up in us, then when we call on him, he's going to say, I'm right here. I've been here the whole time. I've got this under control. If you will put away the yoke of sin from among you, quit pointing fingers, get rid of the holier than thou attitude. Those are not my words. That's the word I said, we're doing a Bible study. So don't think I'm being harsh. I'm just sharing the word of the Lord and speaking wickedly, speaking evil and plotting evil against one another. If you'll spend your energies and yourself, your time, your talents and your treasures for the kingdom of God, not only and not only feed the hungry, but will hungry, but do so with uh, sympathy and compassion. God will hear and answer our prayers. When this becomes your code of conduct, when it becomes your nature, um, when it becomes the the norm of what we do, your light will shine in the midst of a dark world. The Lord is saying, I will elevate you in due time when you will submit to my purpose for fasting in your life. Your, and your darkness will be as the noonday. Your midnight of distress will fade with the sun. Your sorrow will be replaced with joy. Your calamities will be succeeded with prosperity. He will cause you to rest from your adversity. The Lord will guide you continually. He will be your counselor. He will direct you through his word. He will walk, you, you will walk in the spirit and you will be led by the spirit. In exceeding dry times, I will satisfy your thirst with living water, says the Lord. He will make you to flourish in spiritual health, and your life will produce fruit like a well-watered garden. 
there will be a well springing up within you of everlasting life. When the flesh is killed and when the flesh is subject to the spirit, he will well up inside of us. When your motives are right, your flesh has died and been brought under subjection. And your selfishness has been replaced with selflessness. The Lord said, now this is what you can expect for your children and the generations to come when you get fasting in order. Your children will build again the things that have laid to run. They will construct firm foundations that will stand for generations to come. Because of you, divides will be brought together again, and unity will be a result. You will be known as the restorer of paths that were once unclear, that led that lead to the dwelling place in his presence. If you will reverence my holy day, if you will turn from doing your, your own pleasure, if you will delight to serve me and fulfill my will, if you will honor me with your life, if you will allow your words to become my words, say, says the Lord, then communication with him will become your real pleasure. Your acts of worship will not be out of a mere sense of duty, but as a true act from the heart as worship to the Lord. He will cause you to ride on the high places from mountaintop to mountaintop, Yes, there will be valleys. Yes, there will be low times when you think that you've taken a step back or that you've lost ground. But when you get to the high place and you look back, all of a sudden you realize that you have been advancing the entire time because God never takes us backwards. He always moves us forward. That's the will of God for our lives. He will give you prominent positions of authority. That's what the word says. Power and dominion. And in case you didn't remember, says the Lord, my promise to Abraham and to Jacob and to Joshua that everywhere your foot trods belongs to you. That's your heritage too. Your family will be blessed your church will be blessed. Your needs will be supplied. The cattle on a thousand hills and everything under those hills already belong to the Lord. So what are we worried about? Because he will provide. You will enter the promised land. There is no question about it. When we get ourselves in line with the word of God in doing his will, we will at some point enter the promises of God that he has for his church. Isaiah 58 and 14 finalizes everything by saying, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. It's done. It's settled. His word doesn't fail. 
He's not a man that he can lie. He always keeps his promises. His word is forever settled. If he says it, it is yea and amen, the end. No contender can stand against the Lord. If he says you're going to be healed, you will be healed. His word says, by my stripes, you are healed. If he says, you can ride and hide in my pavilion, count on it. You can find safety in the Lord. If he says that I will never leave you, you're not alone. If he said, I will keep you, he will keep you. He will not forsake you. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will provide for you. He will heal you. He will give you everything that you need. It's in his word. The mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That in itself can make me be like, I don't want to be the martial arts guy, but that can make me do a couple of spins because God spoke it. We can stand firm on his word, but the only way that we can benefit from his promises is if our life is in line with his word. If we are seeking to do what is right, if we are seeking his righteousness, if we are seeking his will and not our will, if we are in line, if we are not selfishly motivated, but our first and foremost purpose is seeking the kingdom of God, We've got his promises. It doesn't matter what the bank says. It doesn't matter what the devil says. Or the enemy or whoever you want to call him. It doesn't matter whether or not that he says, no, you can't. I say, you get behind me, Satan, because God said I can. Because I'm one of his children. That is his promise. That is our heritage. It wasn't just for the Old Testament. It wasn't just for the children of Israel. But we were grafted into the vine when we received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have been adopted into the body of Christ. Every promise in his word belongs to you and it belongs to me. So in essence, what the Lord was saying to the children of Israel is, you don't have to trick me. You don't have to try to trap me. You don't don't have to think that if you do this and if I fast this many days, that if I give this up and if I do all of this, then you're going to hear me. And then after the end of the day is, well, why? What did it not mean anything to you? Did you not hear? Did you not see what I was doing? I mean, I gave up Coca-Cola for the love of Pete. Where is my answer? But he's saying, you don't, you don't have to do those things. Get it right. Let me perfect you. I, that if there is any one thing that God has been dealing with me about in the last, especially this last week, but since we began the fast, is God search me. Know me. What, what are the things that I don't even know that are there? What is, what is hidden even from my own self, or what am I trying to hide? Or what am I trying to hold on to? Or what, what, what is it about my flesh that I'm trying to maintain? But search me, God. Show me those things. I, I don't want to resist God trying to perfect me. Because if I resist that, how, how in the world am I going to enter into the kingdom of heaven? I want God to search me. 
If I have a spirit that is not right and not of God, somebody lay hands on me and cast it out. I'm as serious as I can be. I, I don't want those things. I don't want anything standing in between me and the Lord. My prayer has been, search me, God. Know me. Show me those things. Let, let this time of co- communication and connecting with you and laying aside, you know, denying my flesh and, you know, denying my fleshly desires. Let this be a time that I can hear your voice crystal clear, clear as a bell. Annette, this is what you need to do. Annette, your attitude is not right. Annette, your spirit is not right. Annette, this is a sin that is in your life. Show me and let me get it out of the way and perfect me, Lord. Let let your spirit be what takes precedence in my life. Let my will be accomplished in you is, in essence, what this chapter was saying. By killing your flesh through fasting, and if you will do those things, I will fulfill my word. I'll fulfill it. God said it, and he will keep his word. I really don't even have anything else to say besides God will keep his word. I'm grateful for that. I rejoice in that. I challenge you this week. Yes, every one of us have needs. You know, my husband went, um, or, yeah, was it you or my husband that did the prayer tonight? It was my husband, wasn't it? Yeah, okay. I've... I would say I've slept since then, but that would probably be the truth. (laughs) But he went down the list of these needs, kidney disease, cancer, heart attacks, you know, these serious needs that you look at it and you think, how in the world? There just doesn't seem to be an answer. And when he said, if I ask you to lift your hands on how many of you have needs, I I doubt very seriously that there was not a person in this place that did not have their hand lifted. I got a need. My hand, I lifted it as high as I could because I figured if God's going to be looking down, I want him to see my fingertips over the top of everybody else. (laughs) But the problem is, is we get so motivated by those things. Those are the things that we want to see answered, those things that affect us, those things that affect the ones that we love. Instead of seeking God, what is it? What is it that you're wanting to accomplish? What is your will? What, what is it that you're wanting to do to move your kingdom forward? My husband made a statement the other night and said, we cannot have a miracle without the need that only God can supply. I wrote that down. I've written that down in my journal. I wrote it in my Bible. I wrote it in my uh, daily agenda book so that I would not forget that God is able to do the miraculous. And I am just simple enough. Maybe that is what it is. Or maybe just dumb enough. Or maybe I just have enough faith to know that when there is a need that only God can supply, 
if we will turn it over to him and seek his will in the situation instead of in our, our will in the situation, that God can receive glory and that his fame will be spread abroad in this city and in this region. That's what I'm believing God for. So I want to get my selfishness out of the way. And I want to get my desire to have my prayers answered in the way I think they should be and when I should be. He is not the worker at the drive-up window at Burger King. (laughs) He has a greater plan. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And I want to make sure, and I challenge you to do the same this week, to make sure that your motives are according to Isaiah where are we at? 58. 58. I started to say 51, and I was going to lead you to the wrong, the wrong chapter. But I challenge you this week to go back over that, to look at that. God, are my motives right? Let my motives be right. Work out your perfect will in my life. And if I will do that, you promised me that all of these things were my heritage. Let's stand together. Why don't we just take a few minutes? I'm a little bit early. I guess I was short-winded, so hey, I should be, you know, right up there with the favorites. <laughs> but why don't we just take a few minutes before we leave today just to ask the Lord to search us, to make sure that, that our purpose, I commend all of you for committing to the fast in whatever manner, in whatever form that you're able to do so. I commend you for doing that. And it is biblical for the, the, he's not a priest, he doesn't wear a collar, but the man of God, I guess is the word that I should say, to call the people to fast, a time of consecration. I, commit, I commend you for that. But why don't we ask the Lord just to search us, to make sure that our motives are pure, that our motives are right, and uh, submit to him that we are going to give him our will in place for his will to be accomplished.